Greetings, I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. Welcome. After all is said and done, then we will know, won't we? But perhaps we can know now, if we choose to. The previous program, I touched on Christmas. And yet I also discussed some things which certainly did not seem to fit together with the celebration of Jesus Christ with the commemoration of the birth of Christ with Christmas. This program focusing on the so-called New Year, which is at hand. And I say so-called New Year because the new year does not begin in the grip of winter. I know according to our ridiculous calendars, winter has just begun. Today is the 27th of December, and winter supposedly just began on the 21st. Depending on where you are in the world, That designation makes less than no sense. If you're in Southern California, if you're in Florida, if you're in some other part of the world that is experiencing balmy weather, then winter seems somehow or other disconnected from what's actually the context that you find yourself in. If you instead are further north, someplace like, oh, I don't know, Montana, Minnesota, in my case, northernmost New England, it has been winter for some time. And contrary to a favorite broadcaster here in Maine, Bill Green, who produces a good television program, he states, he has stated on his program, that winter in Maine is not the longest season in Maine. Well, if you ever happen to live in the state of Maine for a solid year, I think that you will find that what he says regarding that is somewhat short of the truth. But this is true also for so many other parts of the United States of America and the world, where winter may be six months of the year, maybe nine months of the year, depending on where you are. And it may be wintry, blasting, well below freezing, and unbearably cold. The reason I mention that is with regard to this matter of the new year. New year supposedly beginning on January 1st. Well, the new year does not begin in the throes of winter. It simply doesn't. 
But nonetheless, with the Georgian calendars that we have, we have this designation, this artificial, man-made designation of December 31st being New Year's Eve and January 1st being New Year's Day. So what is synonymous with New Year's Day or with New Year's Eve even? Again, another man-made device, namely of making resolutions, New Year's resolutions. Resolutions that can range from doing better, being better, caring more for others, loving others more, to a range of other things, including some of the more popular ones, dieting and losing weight and becoming fitter, becoming wealthier, getting out of debt, all manner of other things. Well, an individual who is considered to be extraordinarily, breathtakingly brilliant, genius, none other than Stephen Hawking, is wont to make any number of spectacular predictions on an annual basis, and not just near the new year, but throughout the year. To my way of thinking, to my beliefs, his predictions are more akin to some predictions of some soothsayer, some fortune teller, than being a predictor of truth. British Broadcasting has featured Stephen Hawking many times. He's been featured as far as in television, documentaries, programs, interviews, and so forth. And I'm going to just state a few of his current, most recent, and previous predictions. The most recent, the most current, being those that he has come forth with this year, in 2017, right up to now. And the previous ones being from one year ago, more or less one year ago, in 2016. So to start with, he stated in 2016, he stated that humanity, humankind on the face of the earth had only 1,000 years left, 1,000 years remaining. One millennia. That's all. This was in 2016. Stephen Hawking, the brilliant, genius, 
whom so many all but worship because of his brilliance. He predicted, he stated that humanity had only 1,000 years remaining. But a year has gone by. And now, the genius, the brilliant Stephen Hawking declares that humanity has but 100 years remaining. Remarkable. In one year's time, he has changed his prediction of the future of humankind From 1,000 years to 100 years. But, being the brilliant man that he is, he is not going to restrain himself to merely being tied to that 100-year prediction. He's going to throw a few others out there, too, just to cover all bets. So, for instance, this year... Another one of his predictions was that by the year 2600, permit me to digress for a moment, that's right, the year 2600, which, according to his 100-year prediction, is way past the demise of humankind, right? So here we are in 2017. 100 years would place us at, ooh, I don't know, 2117. But he says in 2600, Earth's population will be teeming. Mankind will be standing shoulder to shoulder, covering the Earth. You know, like, A great body of penguins, side by side, shoulder to shoulder, marching to their breeding grounds. So by the year 2600, which again is practically 500 years past what is supposed to be our new artificial due date, of 2117, but mankind will be standing shoulder to shoulder because there will be standing room only on this earth. He further states that if humans, if you and I, if we don't become a multi-planetary species, and settle on other worlds that our species, humankind, humanity, could die out within the next century. But he says this, he qualifies it by stating that we could die out within the next century. So we could be gone from the face of the earth. I know I will be. (laughs) We could be gone from the face of the earth 
in 100 years. And I say, I know I will be, and that's dependent on uh, things remaining as they are. Those people who believe that there will be a millennial reign of Christ following enormous upheaval on this earth, that Christ will return and there will be a millennial reign, and who believe they will partake in that millennial reign would still be here at that time if that millennial reign had begun. And I don't merely predict that will take place. I guarantee that will take place, that there will be the return of the Lord, there will be a millennial reign of Christ. And I certainly believe that it will be well into the beginning of that millennial reign, well before Stephen Hawking's hundred years are up. But he goes on to state that, quote, Although the chance of a disaster on planet Earth in a given year may be quite low, it adds up over time, becoming a near certainty in the next thousand or ten thousand years, end quote. Wait a minute. So a year ago, he predicted that humankind would be gone within... 1,000 years. This year, he retracts from that. He revisits that. He does a revision of it. And he states that humanity, humankind, has but 100 years left. But then he qualifies that and does his sidestep with his motorized wheelchair and states that, well, by the year 2,600, we may be a worldwide covier cluster of humankind, standing room only, like a great gathering of penguins. Uh, But that is my wording with regard to the penguins. And now he states, in the next thousand or ten thousand years. So do you get that sense that this is, instead of this being some brilliant, fact-based, factual, true statements that you can go by. Instead, this is as predictable and trustworthy as what the local fortune tellers are spewing out. 
Have you seen those commercials, those advertisements for California psychics? And they say, we have helped thousands of people. Well, the help that they have provided is that they have helped usher them into a Christless eternity. Not that Christ isn't in eternity, but the majority of people will not inherit the kingdom of God. And those who see fit to deal with fortune tellers are on something less than solid ground. Stephen Hawking is a great proponent of this climate change, world climate change. And he stated with great discontent that President Trump's action in withdrawing from the Paris Climate Accords that that could lead to irreversible climate change. But he goes on to state that global warming will, not may, but will make the Earth, which he refers to as the planet Earth, global warming will make the Earth become like Venus like the planet Venus, with a temperature of 250 degrees, a surface temperature of 250 degrees Celsius, and glowing red, and raining sulfuric acid. How is that for a wonderful forecast? (laughs) Your nightly weather forecast, 250 degrees Celsius, glowing red, like molten lava, raining sulfuric acid. And he blames a very considerable part of that on President Trump. Because that Paris... Climate agreement, climate accord there that was championed by the previous president. Oh my, for us to withdraw from that, that is just tantamount to disaster. Which, again, according to Hawking, these disasters, they can take a thousand years, 10,000 years. Well, you know, when he says... To restate what he said, what may be less than probable within a given year, that it can become virtual certainty over time. That is at the root of the Darwinian evolution lie. 
that that which cannot take place if you add a huge enough amount of time it becomes not only a possibility or a probability but a certainty so that the inanimate becomes animate. And that which is without design, without creative design, without a creator, it becomes creation all by itself. Inanimate elements become humanity. Become humankind. Well, Stephen Hawking, a great man, great man of science, he stated the following, quote, I fear that artificial intelligence, or AI, may replace humans all together. Why fear that? What's bad about that? If that's the future, if that's what the future holds, if that is the natural conclusion of the way things are going, what's wrong with that? If you don't believe in God, if you don't believe in Christ, if you don't believe in the Bible, if you don't believe in truth, if instead you believe in all of this kind of hogwash, throwing out these random contradictory predictions willy-nilly, if you don't believe in absolute truth, then what's wrong with artificial intelligence taking over? I mean, obviously it would be because of its superiority, and that's what he stated elsewhere, is that it would take over because of its superiority. Well, if it is so superior How would that be something to be feared? But Stephen Hawking is a very conflicted, very inconsistent individual. And he doesn't know what he believes. He knows what he doesn't believe. He doesn't believe in God. He doesn't believe in Christ. He doesn't believe in the Bible. He doesn't believe in ultimate truth or righteousness or justice or love or anything else. He believes that man is the measure of all things. So his fear of artificial intelligence taking over would just be that it would be supplanting man. Man would rise up to this great state, this great crescendo of creating something that would take the place of mankind. What's wrong with that? If mankind is just inanimate, non-living elements pooled together, for vast billions and eons, then what is the problem? 
with artificial intelligence becoming the new big boy on the block, taking over. I don't get it. Well, I mentioned in the previous program, I made some comments with regard to Hallmark Channel. And permit me to digress for a moment. But before I do, let me say this. I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. In case you missed the introduction to the program. And whatever is right or true or good or praiseworthy about this program is thanks to God Almighty and his Christ. Whatever's wrong with it, that's on me. That's courtesy of me. Whatever is lacking and whatever is sorely lacking, that's on me. But in the previous program, I mentioned about Hallmark Channel, and I mentioned, I made some comments that were less than flattering. And this brings me back to something I've mentioned before, and this is the matter of loyalty. Many people prize loyalty so highly. Within political circles, it's very common for loyalty to be the end-all and be-all. It's like the old boy network, the old boy system. This was true with George Walker Bush, not just with his father, George Herbert Walker Bush, and his father, but this is George W. Is that there was, in essence, a loyalty test. If you were going to be employed by that administration, first and foremost, you had to be loyal to George W., not to the United States of America, not to God Almighty, not to Jesus Christ, but to George W. And what that loyalty would mean is that you would never be critical, not even privately. You would never be critical. You would never try to point out where he was erring disastrously. Instead, you would be loyal to a fault. And this is so typical with leaders, whether it's George W. or whether it's the Donald or whether it's others that I consider to be significantly more evil. (laughs) But it is so typical. Loyalty is just absolutely indispensable. But again, not loyalty to God Almighty, not loyalty to Christ. Not even loyalty to mankind, but loyalty to party and individuals. And this is true in communism, in fascism, in socialism of every sort, in all of these things. And the great world planners, those behind the curtain, those in the inner circle, the Kissingers and all the rest, including Prince Philip, and the list goes on and on and on. Loyalty is of the utmost importance, the utmost import, absolutely essential, 
And anything short of loyalty is not permitted. Well, my loyalty is to God, is to Christ, is to the truth. The truth of God, which is the truth in this earth. Absent the truth of God, there is no truth in this earth. But on this earth, around this earth, there is none. It's just opinions. And when you come forward with the truth, the Stephen Hawkins and the liars and destroyers on this earth, the movers and shakers, will all insist dogmatically that those are just opinions. That's just your opinion. And this goes to the core of why I just completely, absolutely, utterly, totally, fundamentally disagree with the whole concept of Fox News, of the late Roger Ailes. And that is, well, we're going to give this fair and balanced information, this fair and balanced news. We'll have those from the left and those from the right and those from the center. Even though the left and the right, not meaning the so-called liberal and the so-called conservatives, but communism is absolutely representative of the extreme left. And fascism supposedly is absolutely representative of the extreme right, when in fact they are both socialist and they are both of the left. But this matter of we need to balance the truth with the lies, we need to balance the truth with falsehood in order to arrive at the truth is complete, utter insanity. It may be profitable, but it's absurd. But back to Hallmark Channel. Hallmark Channel stated the following. This was in their their promotions, in their advertisements. Quote, 85 million people can't be wrong. No one does Christmas like Hallmark Channel, end quote. Hallmark Channel's countdown to Christmas, the number one destination on television, so on and so forth. But again, that quote, 85 million people can't be wrong. No one does Christmas like Hallmark Channel, end quote. Well, no one does Christmas like Hallmark Channel. That is innocuous. That is harmless. Okay, they're not saying no one worships Christmas like Hallmark Channel. They're saying no one does Christmas like Hallmark Channel, whatever that means. Nebulous thing that it is, ephemeral. But 85 million people can't be wrong. Really, let's take a look at the past presidents of the United States of America and the portions of the United States of America that voted for them, including many Christians, so-called Christians, professing Christians, Catholics, Jews, what have you. 
85 million people absolutely positively can be wrong and have been wrong time and time and time immemorial throughout humanity's existence. Not only 85 million, but vastly more than that. I don't know what the current world population is supposed to be, if it's supposed to be 7 billion, 7.5 billion, 7.8589765 or something billion. I don't know what that number is. It's continually changing. It's somewhere between 7 and 8, I believe. But according to God's word, only a minority of people will inherit the kingdom of God. Therefore, not only can 85 million be wrong, but billions of people can be wrong. Now, I mentioned briefly, very briefly, it may not have seemed briefly if you heard the program, but I happened to very briefly touch on some complaints I had with regard to Hallmark Channel. Not that I don't like Hallmark Channel and Hallmark Movies and Mysteries Channel. Not that. But, again, to my loyalty. (laughs) It's not a matter of my channel, right or wrong, my channel. No. There's so much in the programming on a Hallmark channel that leaves so much to be desired. There's so much in their Christmas programming that is so lacking that could be and should be so much better than it is. But again, as I said, even though I would love the opportunity to do something about that, to become chief operating officer and just be involved with it full-time and significantly improving the programming on Hallmark Channel. Honestly, that's not why God put me here. That's not what it's about. I would love to do that, and I could do that exceedingly well. Not just because I think so, I happen to know so. But it's not going to happen They know that they are doing everything perfectly and some guy from wherever it is that I currently am, whether I'm in upstate Maine or Washington or Southern California or wherever I am, I don't have the background, I don't have the expertise, I don't have the know-how. I couldn't possibly be right because after all, 85 million people would say otherwise, but When I look at something like that, (laughs) the only reason I have the views about the Hallmark programming that I do are because I watch their programs. And I see what is (laughs) lacking and what is needed and so forth. So imagine, if you will, God looking down on humankind. Not on Hallmark Channel per se, but on humankind, on we, humanity, on the Stephen Hawkins of this world. On those in charge of Crown Media and therefore Hallmark Channel and 
channels and the Donald Trumps of the world and the little people. You know, not just the VIPs and celebrities and most important people, most valuable people, most valuable players, most anything else. Imagine God looking down on that and saying concerning Brad Thomas and others, he could be, he should be so much more than he is. This isn't what I created him to be. This isn't the way they're supposed to be doing these things. This isn't what I intended when I created him or her or them. But they insist on doing things their own way. Their own foolish, blind, ignorant, selfish, self-serving way. Personally, I suspect that if God were to communicate such, that that would, in fact, pertain to the vast majority of people on this earth, not merely 85 million, but the vast, overwhelming majority of people. I think it would be a very, very, very distinct minority of people that that would not be true of. A very distinct minority of people that God would be well pleased with that they really were living out their lives as he intended them to, to the letter, if you will. This I know is that no person who refuses, who resists, who rejects Jesus Christ and God Almighty is living their life the way they were intended to. But there are a great many people, not not the vast billions, but a great many people who are dedicated, who have dedicated their lives. Oh my gosh, they must be good, noble people to be dedicating their lives. No, no. They have dedicated their lives to warring against God, warring against Christ, warring against the Bible, warring against the church, warring against the people of God. And they do it many, many, many different ways, including through the churches, getting inside of the churches, getting inside of the institutional churches into Jewry and into the Roman Catholic institution and the Eastern Church and the Russian Orthodox Church, Eastern Orthodox Church, and into the Protestant churches, into the denominations, into their leadership, into revising the Bible, into controlling theological seminaries, divinity schools, Bible schools, as well as being 
overwhelmingly influential throughout academia and governments across the world and in so many other ways and doing all that they can to overthrow the truth of God, the truth of Christ, and to thwart the plans and purposes of God and to destroy humankind, to destroy humanity. And they use myriad lies, including global climate change. One thing only (laughs) from this list of things here is Stephen Hawking even warm about, and that is that temperatures will increase. I know that based on the Word of God. Now, I'm freezing up here in northern Maine. (laughs) I am absolutely freezing. I came back here in spite of not being able to tolerate the cold. But temperatures will increase. You find that in the book of Revelation when God describes what is going to take place. And there will be great heat, not 250 degrees Celsius, And that kind of nonsense, it's not that the world will become inhabitable, but it will become extremely hot. Men and women will condemn God, damn God, and so on and so forth for the plagues that they've brought upon themselves that the Stephen Hawkins of this world have brought upon themselves and upon humankind. I mentioned before, and I'm going to restate it, and this was from a Hallmark program from Home and Family, and the lovely female hostess, stated the following, quote, always look forward, end quote. Let me repeat that quote. It's rather brief. Always look forward. That is so terribly unwise. If we are ignorant of the past, we are Condemned to repeat it, right? If you're always looking forward when you're driving down the road, up the road, over the road, never looking in your rearview mirror, never looking in your side mirrors, always looking forward, you're going to be a hazard. As I mentioned previously, George W. Bush was so fond of this, always looking forward, he would never, ever, ever, and he stated it, he would never reconsider whether he made a mistake. Never. That never entered into his mind. He would never permit it to enter into his mind that he may have made a mistake. Just keep plunging forward, always forward. Always look forward. Never look back. No regrets. 
It's the surest way there is to go off a cliff. Yes, we can be paralyzed with indecision by paralysis of analysis. And yes, our lives can be slowed (laughs) and detrimentally affected by always being consumed with thoughts about what we've done wrong, where we have erred, how we have failed, our shortcomings, and what have you. I know that. I am painfully aware of that. But to never reflect, to never admit to yourself and or others, your imperfections, your failures, your mistakes, is just supremely, arrogantly, conceitedly foolish. But it will serve you very well in this lifetime up to a point. And I do say up to a point. It will enable you to get ahead. It will enable you to climb those Mount Everest heights to become president of the United States. It will enable you to reach those kinds of heights. You may not succeed in becoming president, but it will enable you to go further than you would have been able to get otherwise. But the problem is, when you get there, when you arrive, wherever that is, and you're a general of a vast army, or you're the head of a major television network or cable network or movie empire, shall I say, or whatever it happens to be, you're in charge of or you have influence over this group of people or what have you. If you've gotten there by doing it that way, you will go right on doing it that way and to the detriment of those who you supposedly serve. You won't serve them. They will serve you. You will serve yourselves of them. You'll be intoxicated with the trappings of office whatever that office happens to be. And blindly, ignorantly, just keep on keeping on. If there's no self-doubt, if there's no room for concern over making the wrong decisions and whether you have made wrong decisions, then you'll just blunder ahead with making myriad, exceedingly, devastatingly wrong 
wrong decisions. Yes, that's a double, not a double negative, but it's a double-double. In a movie called New Year's Eve, now some of these kinds of movies where they are not anthologies, I don't know, they're kaleidoscopic and they've got the little the little mini uh, compartmentalized stories and they all fit neatly together. When you get to the end, you see they're interrelated and so forth. The ones like Love Actually. Some of them have been much better than others. Love Actually, despite all of the extreme problems with that movie, which I have referenced previously, the extreme profanity, vulgarity, uh, just for the sake of it. (laughs) Nonetheless, there are many, many elements of that program that are very enjoyable. So this program, New Year's Eve, it's one of the better ones of that genre. And a character in that movie who is in charge of the New Year's Eve ball drop, when there is a malfunction, a systemic malfunction with the the ball contraption, she goes on television. She is televised. She gives an address to all of the throngs of people that are tuning in to find out what's wrong with the New Year's ball rising and dropping symbolically for capping this great celebration. And she made various statements in this this monologue that she gave, this speech that she delivered. And I'm not quoting, I don't have any notes for it, but she said something to the tune that here with the ceremonial ball dropping, the new year arriving, that here, while it is suspended, if you will, (laughs) while they're working on it, that this allows us to reflect on, she didn't say reflect on, but to reflect on, to think about those things in this past year that we would prefer to do differently. And so that in this coming year that we will care more, we will love more, we will do more, Those were some of the words that were used, if I recall correctly. And I agree with that. Even though New Year's, January 1st and December 31st, New Year's Eve, even though that is an artificial, inaccurate, wrong designation, it doesn't matter. And the group of people that were listening to her, they were just all so enraptured with it, even though, of course, it included a great number of drunken merrymakers and what have you. (laughs) But 
of course, they were enamored with what she had to say and moved deeply, touched deeply. But it is a time, and there are times throughout our lives, and there could be times, many times along the way in our lives, in which we should reflect, and not just because it's on a calendar, but because we are prompted to revisit these things and think about these things and regret things. Regretting is not bad in this sense if it leads to caring more, loving more, doing better. Much more to say about that, but my time is gone. But we should not just go by a calendar and not be tied to a calendar. One lovely woman, once upon a time that I went out with, she was insistent she was going to get married by the age 30. I hope she married somebody good because it's terrible to be tied to a deadline like that. I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. After all is said and done, we will know, won't we? But perhaps we can know now if we choose to. Thank you.